G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. that God is love is, well, pretty commonly known. We know that God is love. But do we really? Do we know it in our own hearts? Do we know it in our own experience? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and welcome to the program today as we kick off a new series of messages called The Incredible Father Heart of God. It's funny how we relegate our discussion of the greatest act of love in all of human history, the death of Jesus, the Son of God on that cross, to a few days each year that we label Easter. And okay, I know it's a bit out of season, but it seems to me that the whole Easter thing is the perfect starting point for the series of messages that we're kicking off today called The Incredible Father Heart of God. See, that whole Easter thing, God sending his son to die on a cross, makes you really ask the question, What sort of a dad is God? After all, that he would allow his one and only son to become a man, to be reviled, rejected, beaten, spat upon, and nailed to a cross. What sort of a dad would sovereignly choose a destiny like that for his son? Jesus did something incredibly radical. He called God his father, in fact, his dad. And by doing that, he claimed directly to be the son of God. It was radical because up until then, the Jews so revered God that they rarely, if ever, even uttered his name on their lips. And Jesus comes along and starts calling this God, Dad? And then then this Dad allows his son to be nailed to a cross. Seems to me if we're going to be talking about the incredible Father heart of God over these coming couple of weeks, we had better sort this mess out because unless we do, you have to ask yourself, Is this really the sort of father that we want to be involved in? Well, is it? Imagine if some writer wrote a movie script about a 21st century father who conspired to create a set of circumstances that would have his son nailed to a cross. Do you see any of the studios in Hollywood going for it and investing the millions of dollars you have to spend these days to make a movie like that? I don't think so. And if some father here and now today did this in real life, Well, he got jailed for conspiracy or for murder or for both. And yet the reason they celebrate this grisly event, they tell us, is that this Jesus who claimed to be the Son of God came to die for their sin. It's a funny word, sin. It's almost a four-letter word these days. But the thinking goes in the Christian camp that each of us falls a long way short of the glory of God. And so our rebellion, our rejection of him, deserves punishment. We deserve an eternal death, the Christians tell us, an eternal separation from God. But because God loves us so much, his sense of justice is satisfied because he sent his son to die in our place so that when we believe in this Jesus, we're forgiven. Sounds, on the surface of it, when you just step through the logic of it dispassionately like that, it sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? It it does. And, And if we just keep it there as a theoretical bit of logic, I guess it stays kind of weird. But put a human face on it the reality of Jesus into it, and it becomes a compelling story. 
See, Jesus upset the religious leaders something fierce. He cut through their hypocrisy. He loved the outcasts. He healed the blind and the sick. He powerfully brought the love of God to a people oppressed. Oppressed not only by a brutal Roman occupation, but by a form of religion that God never intended. So he threatened the religious status quo. What did the religious leaders of the day do? Well, they trumped up some charges against him, manipulated the judicial system, such as it was, and had Jesus crucified. Have a listen, though, to what happens when Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 47. While he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, and with him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one whom I kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say it must happen this way? So there it is. This is not something that Jesus is being forced by his father to do. It's something that he's doing willingly. Do you think I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? And he says elsewhere too in John chapter 10 verse 17, For this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. That's an incredible statement. Imagine being called to be nailed to a cross, to die this agonizing, excruciating death. Can you imagine if that were you or me? I think I'd want to run a million miles. So it's not the father forcing the son into something against his will. It's father and son, God himself, deciding this is so important. Your sin and my sin, which we so often sweep under the carpet, is such a big deal that someone has to pay. And that someone is Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him wouldn't perish, but instead would have eternal life. Maybe you've heard that so many times that it almost washes on by. It's so familiar that we, we don't even take any notice of it. But there, right there in that oh-so-familiar passage, beats the Father heart of God. For God so loved the world. He so loved. He so loved you. He so loved me. He took our eternal destiny apart from him so seriously that he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross. And and this Jesus died to pay for your sin and mine. And if the story ended there, it would be awesome enough. But it doesn't end there. It ends with a risen Jesus. It ends with an empty tomb. It ends with a hope of eternal life. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What that tells me is this. God has an incredible heart for you and me because he wants us to have a life, an abundant life, a super abundant life. John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus said, Look, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. 
but I've come, that you may have life and have it abundantly. And in fact, the word used there for abundantly, the Greek word originally means super abundantly. I've come that you may have life and have it super abundantly. And in his heart, the ache of his great and mighty Father's heart for you and me is to give us a new life, a super abundant life, an eternal life. That's his plan for God himself to suffer and pay the price. His plan for Jesus to rise up out of that tomb and ascend into heaven. His plan is for you and for me to spend eternity, a glorious eternity, an eternity that we can't begin to imagine, an eternity that will never end with him, despite our sin, despite our rebellion, despite the punishment we deserve by heaping all of that punishment onto Jesus, his son, who died on that cross to pay for it. I don't know about you, but that tells me a lot. It it tells me everything about the Father heart of God for me. He loves me so much. He loves you so much that he would go to this great length to bring us home to him. How do you respond to that? Come on, how do you respond? We love sharing the gospel with as many people as possible so they can experience a real and tangible relationship with God. So before I go, I'd like to tell you about our free daily devotional to help you be all that God made you to be. It's called Fresh. Each day you'll receive a powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement. And the best news is that it's completely free and delivered right to your inbox each and every day where you can choose to read, listen or even watch the daily video. It's completely up to you. It's God's word, Fresh for you each day. To receive your free devotional, just jump onto the website freshdevotional.org. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign up right there for you. As a bonus, I'll also send you a free copy of my e-book, How Can I Hear God Speak to Me? So head across to the website and sign up to receive Fresh. I pray that your heart will be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. That web address again, in case you missed it, is freshdevotional.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.